a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, you know what sort of people we were among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you became a model for all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. And from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves openly declare about us what sort of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to await his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the coming wrath. The word of the Lord. I apologize, this was supposed to be the first reading. A reading from the book of Exodus. Thus says the Lord, you shall not molest or oppress an alien, for you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If ever you wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. My wrath will flare up and I will kill you with the sword. Then your own wives will be widows and your children orphans. 
If you lend money to one of your poor neighbors among my people, you shall not act like an extortioner toward him by demanding interest from him. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you shall return it to him before sunset. For this cloak of his is the only covering he has for his body. What else has he to sleep in? If he cries out to me, I will hear him, for I am compassionate. The word of the Lord. Dominus Vobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelis Secundum Matteum. The Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. Verbum Domini. In the year 2016, it finally happened. After a, over 100 years of waiting, 
the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series. <laughs> My dad and I listened on our tractor radio for 20 years listening to them lose. So they finally won the World Series. And the chaplain, the priest chaplain for the Chicago Cubs that year, is a man by the name of Father Burke Masters. And he told the story of how he grew up with two older brothers, and they were always outside playing whatever sport was current. But he especially loved baseball. And he wanted one day to be a major league player. And in fact, it looked like that's where he might be headed when, for Mississippi State, he hits a grand slam in the ninth inning to bring them into the College World Series. But prior to that, when he was growing up, his father said, now, if you really want to excel in baseball, you need to go to one of these two Catholic schools because they both have good baseball programs. Well, the family at the time wasn't attending any church, and he had very little contact with Catholicism, but he decided he chose one of the Catholic schools where he attended. And it was at one of those masses, he doesn't, never been to a mass, that the young people, the high school students, are going up to receive communion. He's doing what they are doing. The priest doesn't know he's not Catholic. He receives Holy Communion. And he has this experience of the divine presence, something totally new when he had received Holy Communion. But then also he said one of the things that drew him to convert to Catholicism was a charity he found in both the teachers and in the students, the charity that they had toward him, toward one another. It was something that influenced him, impacted him, drew him, attracted him to the Catholic faith. It was later in college, he meets a young woman and they're dating and she says, on their first date, you want to make a holy hour. He said, well, what is that? So she explained to him it's spending an hour in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. Okay. And afterwards, wasn't that nice? Yes. And they did that after, before every date. But something began to stir in Burke's heart, a call to be a priest which he shared with this young lady. And she said, well, you have to do God's will. Although they were thinking of marriage possibly in the future. And so it came down to a decision where he realized God left him free to choose. He had the opportunity to be involved in Major League Baseball as a coach in some, some way to marry this, this woman or to pursue the priesthood. So he begins, of course, to study for the priesthood on the day of his ordination. He says that he really understood, he had this deep peace that he was in God's will, what God wanted him to do. But I begin with that because when we think about the Lord's 
teaching us the two great commandments. And really, he says, this sums up everything. This really is all of it. It's quite simple, isn't it? That we are to love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, to love our neighbors, ourself. Quite simple, really, when we think about it. And so this was something that he experienced. He experienced the love of God in a new and a profound way. When he'd received Eucharist, albeit accidentally, but he does. And he experiences in a profound way God's love for him. And that has to be, as I've said before, the foundation really of our understanding of our faith. God loves us first, always, every day. Always and every day. He loves us first. And now he waits for our response. And so our response is by spending time with him. Listening to him. And that we are to love one another. This is something that really convinced him of the truth of our faith. One of the things was the charity of the teachers and the students that he found at that Catholic school. In a recent last week, there was an article by a Jim Schrader. He's got a PhD, and he's the vice president of a department for psychology and wellness. And the title of this article was Parenting in the Digital Age. No phones, no social media, no regrets. So he tells the story of his own family, and the twins, a boy and a girl, were just entering high school. And they had talked about it up to this point. They're not going to have social media. They're not going to have cell phones. Wasn't always appreciated. And they became the oddballs in a certain sense. And yet, they engaged in athletics and all the social activities and even were on the homecoming court and those sorts of things, so admired by their fellow students. And when they reached the college age, they were delighted to see what Emma had written in her essay for her scholarship application. Here's what she wrote. I'm called to act with intentionality. For 17 years, I've not had a phone or social media of any kind. As awkward and embarrassing as this has been, I have realized that acting with intention allows me to live with natural joy and deep purpose without the distractions of a device. I desire to spend my time on matters that are important. So avoiding the superficiality that comes with being constantly connected to a phone. But the thing that surprised me in this article is that he has a friend who's also a professor, in fact, part of a board that reviews applications of high school seniors for one of the most prestigious scholarships in the state of Indiana. And one of the questions on the application was, what invention would you stop from being invented? And he said, more than any other response, such as nuclear bombs, pollutants, or anything else, two answers made up a majority of responses. 
cigarettes and vaping, social media and cell phones. Why would high school seniors say that? Social media and cell phones. They would want that not invented because they themselves have experienced some of the negative effects of it, haven't they? That somehow when we're disconnected, we can be quite mean, quite ugly toward one another that we wouldn't be if we were face to face with that individual. And that, you know, I've even read an article in the past about dating today and how the person you're dating is buried in their phone. <laughs> you know, where's the interest in me? <laughs> you know? So, of course, I'm not against social media because we use it for EWTN to evangelize. And yet I'd like us to ponder those things. What place do these things have in our lives? How much do they... Are they tyrants constantly demanding attention from us? The Lord's Day is a day in which Pope John Paul II said, we're to see each other's face. We're not so busy and rushing about here and there. Hopefully that would grow more in our culture rather than having everything open on Sundays. But that we could actually engage with each other. We could actually listen to one another. We could see the face of the other person. And this article concluded by saying, other parents with children just behind them have told us that their children were leaders of a revolution of a most loving kind. So the Lord tells us that our two great commandments the two things that we are to do in this life are to love God and to love our neighbor. Quite simple, isn't it? And how do we do that? We do that by spending time, spending time with God. You're here this morning. You've tuned in to this morning mass because you want to listen. You want to spend time listening to God's word listening to sacred music, listening to the prayers, joining us, making a spiritual communion. Those are beautiful ways in which you're choosing to love God. That's the greatest and most important commandment. And it is in that loving God who, again, has first loved us and does so every day, that, that we then are made capable of loving our neighbor in a much deeper and a much richer way. And so also having that attentiveness to others. And again, it's spending time. It's listening as an act of love. That we're spending time with others. We have this charity uh, reaching toward others. You know, there's a, a, a beautiful hymn that I think sums all of this up, and it's a it's a hymn that's over a thousand years old, maybe 1,200 years old. This hymn has been sung in the Mass, especially on Holy Thursday at the washing of the feet. Ubi caritas est vera, Deus ibi est. Perhaps you remember that. 
Oh, there's a more contemporary version. Where charity and love prevail, there God is ever found. And so how this translates is, ubi caritas est vera. Where charity is true, God is there. Where charity is true, where true charity is found, God is there. God is there. And so that's an answer to a lot of the questions that we have in our lives, the decisions that we're making. Where charity is, God is there. Am I going to respond with an ugly social media <laughs> response or other verbal response? Or how am I going to react? Or what decision am I going to make? Where charity is true, there God is. God is there. That's why Maximilian Kolbe said one time when his fellow uh, prisoners in the concentration camp at Auschwitz said, we're going to get them back. He said, no, God is, only, God is only present where there's love. Our love is only creative, he said. Hate is not creative. Love is creative. Why? Because God is there. And the verses of this beautiful hymn say this, the love of Christ has united us. Let us both fear and yearn for the living God. And from the heart, let us devoutly love one another. Let us therefore be gathered together in unity and beware lest we be not of one mind. Let us stop the malignant quarreling, cease our contentions, and let Christ our God be among us. And let us together with the blessed ones, all the saints will be celebrating on Wednesday. Let us together with the blessed ones exultantly behold thy face, that which is an infinite joy throughout eternity. And whenever we experience anxiety, think of that verse. Ubi caritas es vera. Where charity is true, there God is. Even in our anxieties, even in our fears, even in what's going through our minds. Let's choose charity. Charity even in our thoughts. Praying for others, perhaps. Going out of ourselves as the first reading from the Old Testament exhorts us to have that charity, especially those who are in particular need, like widow and orf widows and orphans, so dear to the Lord's heart, and so many others that are, have particular needs at this time. This is the way God has shown us. This is what Burke Masters discovered, thankfully, in his school. The charity of the teachers and the students was something that was attractive, that drew him to the love of God and to give his life for God in the priesthood. May we live this life of these two simple commandments, the two great commandments. What is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second is like it. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments.